This Future Construct podcast episode is supported by Applied Software. Applied Software is on a mission to transform industry by empowering their clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. So visit asti.com, it's A-S-T-I.com, and please let them know that we here at Future Construct and BIM Designs sent you. Welcome everyone to the Future Construct podcast. I am your host, Amy Peck. We have a fantastic guest today, Allison Shu, who is an investor at Bain Capital Ventures. Welcome, Allison. Thank you, Amy. I'm really excited to be here today. So let's dive right in. You know, I was looking at your background. I read your, you know, are some articles that you've written. Uh, you're a multi-talented person. So tell us how you got here because it's it's been a really interesting journey. Well, thank you. That's very, very flattering. Um, yeah, so my journey. So as you mentioned, um, I'm currently an investor at Bain Capital Ventures. Um, I guess my path to investing, I actually started my career in management consulting. Um, so I was at Bain & Company. And at Bain & Company, um, much like many other consultants, uh, I did a kind of a host of different types of projects, worked with uh, you know, companies of all different industries. And I think the kind of common thread that I really learned during consulting was how to kind of take a more strategic lens to businesses and um, kind of evaluate them from the outside in. And um, that was a skill that I really enjoyed kind of doing, learning, and decided to kind of apply that uh, more full-time and kind of apply that in the investing lens. Um, Part of what I was doing in consulting was actually consulting for private equity firms. And I decided that, um, you know, I tried my hand at investing myself. So uh, moved over to Bain Capital Ventures about two years ago um, and here focused on investing in B2B software um, across a number of different verticals. That's great. And so, you know, I'd love to hear, you know, what are the, what are the companies that really excite you? I mean, I read this great article that you wrote um, in, in TechCrunch about, you know, how construction tech is, is really booming. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on what you're seeing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'll, I'll actually zoom out for a second and um, kind of apply my investor kind of Bain Capital investor lens. Um, at, at Bain Cap, I actually focus on three different verticals or three different areas of investing. Um, and I think on the outset, they sound different, but there's actually a lot of overlap. And so those three are fintech, um, commerce technology, and then real estate and construction. And I think there, you know, when there is overlap between those, even though it doesn't sound like those would inevitably be um, kind of the same, I think there's a lot of companies that fall in two of the three buckets or even three of all three buckets. And I think that's what we really get excited about seeing certain trends of financial services or financial technology applied to um, the real estate construction vertical or um, seeing elements of commerce or e-commerce being brought into the real estate and construction vertical. Um, so we spend a lot of time looking at kind of the intersection of all of those different areas. And then for as far as deal flow, you know, where are you finding these companies? I mean, are you um, just they find you or are you working with different accelerators or other investors? You know, how, how, how do they come to you? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I feel like I'm going to reveal all my secrets. <laughs> Don't tell our competitor. <laughs> um, I mean, but the short answer is it comes from anywhere and everywhere and all of what you just mentioned. Um, 
part of it is uh, founders reaching out to me and, um, you know, things like these articles in TechCrunch or even podcasts like this, being, being able to kind of show the industry that, you know, this is a space we're looking at and having them reach out is always great. Um, other ways is, you know, we are, our construction tech practice, I should say, is focused really more on the growth stage. Um, so we would define that as like series B and up. Um, but there's obviously a lot of companies out there that are series A or earlier and pre-seed and, and those have investors too. And so a lot of it too is kind of making sure that we have connectivity into the ecosystem of other investors and um, whether that's, you know, other strategic investors or venture firms um, that have invested in earlier stage companies and getting to know their companies that way. Um, and then part of it is just research and reading and and kind of having a pulse on the industry. Um, I think, you know, email is one window and then I always try to have the news on the other window and try to make sure that um, we're catching interesting companies and interesting things that companies are doing. That's great. And so do you find, so it sounds like, you know, maybe you, you see companies that maybe are a little early for where your, you know, your level of investment would come in, but do you, you know, like to keep an eye on them and, and they, you know, uh, you know, sort of you watch the evolution and then they sort of hit some of those, you know, revenue benchmarks or business benchmarks that then you say, okay, you know, now it's time. Yeah, I think that that sounds pretty much kind of how we're doing it. I would say that, you know, Bain Capital Ventures as a whole is actually staging. I think we have the benefit of being able to be flexible. We don't have any revenue thresholds or um, check size thresholds that we have to meet. Um, so it really gives us the benefit of being able to look up and down the spectrum and start to get to know companies, even if it's before, you know, our construction tech practice might invest, um, starting to get to know them earlier. Um, and, you know, I, I'd say that like every company tends to be a case by case basis. So sometimes even if you're small in revenue, you have a lot of traction in other metrics or early signs of customers that maybe you're not monetizing yet. Um, so I think it's a little bit of a case by case basis, but um, we do tend to like to build relationships with the companies that we invest in um, over time and kind of track their story and really get to know them rather than trying to meet them as soon as they're ready to fundraise and um, kind of rush to get to know the company. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk again about some of the solutions, you know, that that you're finding really interesting and, and some of the trends, like what's, what's, what gets you really excited about what you're seeing right now and, and what are the opportunities? Yeah, um, it's such a, it's kind of a loaded question because I think <laughs> we forget is that like construction is a huge industry. So I think within construction, it's kind of hard to pinpoint the one or two trends or the one or two things happening. Cause I think you can like dissect it in a lot of different ways. And there's a lot of um, different ways to look at the market or different kind of sectors, whether that's residential versus commercial versus industrial, or um, another framework that we like to look at too is um, this idea of disruption versus enablement. Um, and just to spend a second on that, you know, I think that's a really interesting one that we um, kind of apply to not just construction, but a lot of different industries where um, we're looking for both disruptors of the industry as well as the enablers of that industry. And what I mean by that is um, in a lot of industries, think about, you know, financial services, for example, construction is a great example. Um, you have incumbent or kind of legacy companies that have been around for a long time and have a way of doing things. And you might have what we call disruptors that come in and just try to like 
throw that out the window. <laughs> and essentially will displace a lot of those companies. So a great example is like Airbnb. They really kind of displaced the traditional hotel and lodging industry. Um, but at the same time, you have a lot of what we call enablement, which is not necessarily trying to displace those companies, but actually bringing technology to those legacy companies or kind of incumbent companies and helping them use technology um, in the 21st century. And so I think um, what's interesting about construction is I think you see, much like many industries, a little bit of both. Um, and, you know, we're constantly looking for the exciting disruptors as well as, you know, I, I think there's room for both to win. I don't think um, one is necessarily better than the other. Again, this is a huge industry and a lot of room um, for many winners. And so I think finding the uh, kind of exciting players on either end is um, exciting for us. This episode of the Future Construct podcast is supported by the amazing team at Applied Software. They have solutions for any modern project. Applied Software is on a mission to transform industry by empowering their clients and being the champions of innovation with their real world expert consultants. They have a comprehensive suite of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing with a singular focus to help you achieve higher performance. So with software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered for all of your workflow needs. BIM Designs is proud to be a client and partner of Applied Software. So visit their website at asti.com, that's A-S-T-I.com. And don't forget to tell them that we here at Future Construct and BIM Designs sent you. And are, are you feeling that, that you know, even, even with all the new technology that it, it's really sort of scratched the surface? And again, not even the, the point being that it's such an enormous industry, which it really is, um, but that there's just so much room for even one company to solve one problem in, you know, somewhere along the workflow. Uh, and and really make an impact, you know, uh, industry wide. And and I, I know you're not really allowed to play favorites with portfolio companies, but if you're allowed to share even any examples of some of the companies that you're working with who may have had some recent wins or have are doing things that 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 you just think are are really fascinating and that our audience would be interested to hear about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to your first point, I think that's exactly right. I think we're just really scratching the surface of. Um, a huge opportunity today. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can use technology up and down the entire construction process. And um, you can even segment that process, you know, whether it's design to pre-construction to actual execution, and then also across asset classes. I think there's different, um, you know, there, there's so many ways to dissect the industry. Um, so to your point, we're really touching the surface today. Um, one company that I, I do, you know, one of our portfolio companies that I am really excited about and excited to share today is uh, called Material Bank. And they actually are a B2B marketplace for design and construction materials. And um, I think when a lot of people think of marketplace, I think the kind of default is to think about, oh, like, you know, they're connecting suppliers to the buyers and then they maybe they just, you know, charge a take rate and kind of adding fees onto that transaction um, and kind of charging a fee to connect them. But what I think is really interesting about um, Material Bank, um, so they actually are connecting interior designers to manufacturers and suppliers of these interior design materials 
But rather than charging a take rate and kind of putting themselves as the middleman between those two in the actual transaction, they're actually a materials marketplace for the samples of those goods. And so they're actually taking what used to be kind of a cost center for these manufacturers um, and turning that into a way for them to, you know, these samples essentially, turning that into a way to find new business and to um, essentially kind of like serve as marketing. And um, it's a really exciting business model. And, you know, we've been excited to watch the journey from uh, their series B and recently they just raised their series C and they're scaling really quickly across the industry um, and just kind of transforming the way that interior designers connect with these material suppliers. So. Oh, see, and I love that business model. I think that's really interesting because I do think that there, it, it, you know, there is something challenging about, you know, setting out to, to, you know, put yourself in the middle of a transaction because then for the rest of your existence, both sides are trying to, to find ways to, to connect directly without you. So I think that that's a, that's a brilliant model. Yeah. And, you know, just in terms of looking at the industry and maybe not even through the lens, you know, as an investor, um, you know, are there, are there trends that, you know, for, for companies who are in the space, you know, ways that they can actually streamline their their business and their workflows. And again, you can pick any of the sectors that you play in because I think it's valuable to everybody, you know, who, who might be listening today. Uh, but some ways they can think about streamlining their own businesses with some of the technology that you're seeing out there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I kind of think of the evolution of adopting technology in a couple different phases. Um, and the first is uh, this phase of, I guess, what we call kind of more like analog of like bringing what used to be pen and paper onto the computer or some type of digital device. Um, and I think a lot of construction is still in this first phase where things are happening offline between people. And um, there's a lot of solutions out there. Um, whether it's for electrical contractors or GCs in general or specific subs, whether it's, you know, for your takeoffs and, you know, it, it's all kind of just getting something that used to be on pen and paper onto a computer device. And I think that's really exciting. But I think the next phase beyond that, which is where I think we'll see the market kind of go over the next few years is not only is your data now on the uh, computer. What's amazing about that is that you can now use that data to actually take out insights and make more predictive decision-making. And I think um, we're starting to see some companies emerge in this space of using AI to, you know, or using more, kind of more formulaic um, calculation to, to drive decision-making rather than just being a kind of way to save time and track things, but really a way to make better decisions. Um, so I think that's kind of the evolution, whether you start uh, with time tracking and you're doing that with your payroll or you're doing that with your takeoffs and estimation or um, your purchase orders, I think there's a bunch of different ways to apply that framework. And um, I think you'll see software that's kind of dedicated to each of those use cases. So it's funny, you, you touched on, on something that, that was sort of related to, to my next question, um, talking about this move from, you know, analog to digital, which I think, you know, we, we underestimate how, how many companies are still in that analog realm. 
And, you know, and I'm certainly guilty of, you know, be trying to live my life 20 years in the future and, and sort of envision where, where, where we're going to go and how we get there. Um, but then, you, you know, you did talk a little bit about AI. And so with, with some of the emerging technologies that are out there between robotics and automation and AI and, and blockchain and, and AR, VR, you know, are there companies out there that you feel are in without naming names, but, but that are using these technologies, but because they're still relatively, you know, nascent technologies that there's a little bit of a reticence uh, and, and that maybe it's going to take a little longer for those companies to evolve rather than the companies that are just solving this problem this way today. Absolutely. Um, I think it's funny, you know, the word AI, I think just like triggers some people too. And there's a little <laughs> bit of like a negative connotation because I think to your point, I think a lot of the industry, um, you know, they're still focused on step one and like bringing in too many steps at once is a huge step change for, for people and for organizations. Um, you know, each little incremental change is, you know, kind of a big endeavor for you to adopt it at a, at the scale of a lot of these large construction companies. And so, I think um, sometimes doing too much at once is, is definitely a challenge. Um, I think the degree to which platforms are AI enabled or sort of using more of these predictive insights too, I think part of it is like one, how do you connect with your customers? Like maybe you are doing that in a way, but I think the way to reach these customers um, in construction is not to come with an AI first approach, which might be the case in some other industries, um, so software and technology, um, you know, B2B SaaS, like those being one um, where those are kind of hot buzzwords. I think in construction, it's all about how do you prove your value as a platform? And also how do you, um, how do you make people's lives easier? You know, technology I think is, sometimes gets a bad rep because people come in and give you a solution and like, they want them to adopt it and it takes time to implement. It takes time to learn. Um, and so I think the best companies out there that are getting um, adoption within the industry really come from it from an industry first approach and a user first approach um, and are really conscious of like how they are going to market. And it's not about the data and the insights and the predictability from the start. It's about helping people do their jobs easier and quicker and faster. Well, and you, you just said the, the one thing that I, that I think is incredibly valuable. So, so I will repeat it. It's, it's that it's a, it's really a user first approach. And I have found that uh, in, you know, our uh, producer BIM designs, the founder decided to, to start this company because he had experienced this challenge uh, of you know, you know, really having um, uh, valuable BIM data during the construction process, so he decided to solve that problem. And I think sort of understanding what the actual work, you know, workforce and and what their uh, you know workday looks like, and and what it's like to to actually be out in the field on these construction sites. Uh, if you have that understanding, then then it's much easier to build a product that actually suits their needs. Because a, lo a lot of technology, to your point, 
just becomes a solution looking for a problem. And if, if you lead with technology, it's, it definitely can be off-putting. But on the flip side of that coin, what are some of the positive impacts of this future technology that, that you're seeing without leading with the technology first? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I could go on the list. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, when you have these new systems in place, again, assuming that there's adoption across the industry, you know, I think I, I was talking to a few GCs back um, a while ago, and they said the things that we always want to focus on um, are time, costs, and safety. Um, and so, I think those three things uh, are key to why technology is going to help this industry and why successful technologies get adopted because they help save time, whether that's because there's better tracking and you don't have to spend manual hours looking at things, or if you're actually able to make better decisions that, you know, you can actually cut down on the time in between inspections or the time in between one sub coming in and another. Um, that obviously translates to costs. Um, you know, there's a material financial impact of doing things faster, doing things better, taking up less materials, um, having less waste. Um, and then I think the third and probably most important is like, how do we make our job sites more safe? And I think with data and with uh, technology on the site. Uh, it's not only a matter of real-time tracking. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of IoT software out there that can, you know, track um, in real time and um, bring all insights there. But I think also if we take a step back and look at, you know, the data behind it, um, you know, these certain practices have led to X percent less reduction or X percent less um, incidents in safety issues, or even 10 years down the line, being able to track um, the safety of the building itself. Uh, I think that's really powerful because um, these kind of little changes up front, I think reap really long-term impacts um, and benefits down the road. So everybody, you know, we always get higher listeners when we, when we have people from the investment world because everyone wants to get on your radar. Um, but without making you crazy, what is actually the best way for companies to approach you personally, but, but investors in general? Because I've seen good approaches and I've seen poor approaches. But I do think also that investors are all a little bit different, too, in, in how they'd like to be approached and, and you know, whether they like direct outreach or, or through someone you know. So what are some of the, the sort of tips you can give to, uh, to founders out there? Totally. Um... I've always been someone who uh, kind of preaches the open door, um, open inbox uh, <laughs> philosophy and that um, most things that come across my inbox, I'll, I'll try to read and respond to. Um, and so I, I do encourage founders to, to, you know, reach out directly when you, you know, might not have another intro or kind of someone to connect you. Um, I would say that, you know, Realistically, of course, it's hard for uh, any investor to either respond or to be able to engage meaningfully with every single um, kind of cold outreach that they get. And so I think um, getting to know, you know, before you reach out to an investor, every investor, I would say, has a different focus area or the things that they're looking for, the things that they're looking at. Um, 
I talked a little bit about how, you know, we like to look at the overlap of financial services and commerce technology with um, construction. And so knowing that like might make your business more or less of a fit for BCV at this point, um, or just me personally. And so I think every investor has a little bit of a different stance. And so um, being able to know who you're reaching out to and kind of know your audience is also really, um, I think, important uh, when you are trying to reach out um, without a kind of warm that is such a good piece of advice, and and I and I hope everybody takes heed to that because I think, you know, it it's it's really important for founders to do their homework as well, and you know, re, you know, read read the article that you wrote, you know, the articles that you write, look at your history, look at what your portfolio is, and you know, find out what you care about as an investor. So I think that's that's fantastic advice for everyone. So we haven't gotten too far into the future yet, but I am going to ask you the question that I ask everyone, which will propel you into the future. So if you can visualize yourself, you know, 15, 20 years from now, and you could have, you know, any experience or any gadget that would just make you personally, your life better or make you happy, what would it be and what would it do? I love that question. <laughs> um, so one thing that I do love and I hope we'll get back to be able to do more often is traveling. Um, and, you know, I love getting to a new destination. I love exploring the destination. But what I really hate is the packing process before and the unpacking process after the trip. So if I could like envision or just create any kind of gadget for myself, just for personal use, um, I would get... I would get a lot of happiness out of like some type of like automated pick and packer, which can like, like I'm imagining I can just like see my entire wardrobe on my phone and just like click, click, click. I want these three things and it will just like pack it for me and fold it for me. And like, if it's too big and like, or it like won't fit in my suitcase, somehow shrink it and condense it so that everything I want can fit into my carry on. Um, that would be my ideal device. And also post-trip, it would also do my laundry and then put it away for me. <laughs> okay, this is my new this is my new favorite because I am right there with you. I think the the last year, um, uh, let's see, probably 2020, I guess, uh, maybe 2019. I think for three years running, I did over 200,000 miles. So I am wow. right there with you. So I would literally <laughs> just have one suitcase packed at home mm -hmm. and then one with me. And then I would drop one and that would get, you know, washed and repacked. And then I would have the other one. Um, but I think maybe we could even do one better where um, somehow those articles, you don't even have to carry them, that they just, you choose what they are and they magically appear on the other side. In, I love it, Amy. In You're your, in your hotel, <laughs> in your closet, and you walk in and it's there. So I love that. <laughs> I love this idea. I think, you know, someone out there will build it. Amazing. <laughs> That's the goal. Well, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you today and getting to know you and hearing about, how, you know, your investment strategy and, and your vision for the future. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. 